0: Good morning. The Lord's Supper. The time came for them to eat the Passover meal. Jesus and the apostles were together at the table. Jesus said to them, I wanted very much to eat this Passover meal with you before I die. I will never eat another Passover meal until it is given its full meeting in God's kingdom. Then Jesus took a cup of wine He gave thanks to God for it and said, Take this cup and give it to everyone here. I will never drink wine again until God's kingdom comes. Then he took some bread and thanked God for it. He broke off some pieces, gave them to the apostles, and said, This bread is my body that I am giving for you. Eat this to remember me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup of wine and said, This wine represents the new agreement from God to his people. It will begin when my blood is poured out for you. Who will turn against Jesus? Jesus said, But here on this table, the hand of the one who will hand me over to my enemies, the Son of Man will do what God has planned but it will be very bad for the one who hands over the Son of Man to be killed. Then the apostles asked each other, Which one of us would do that? Later the apostles began to argue about which one of them was the most important. But then Jesus said to them, The kings of the world rule over their people, and those who have authority over others want to be called the great providers for the people. But you must not be like that. The one with the most authority among you should act as if he is the least important. The one who leads should be like the one who serves. Who is more important, the one serving or the one sitting at the table being served? Everyone thinks it's the one being served, right? But I have been with you as the one who serves.
1: Well, good morning, everybody, and uh, it's good to be with you this morning. If you're visiting with us, I hope you'll just sit back and relax, and uh, we want make yourself at home. In other words, Um, we're in a series right now of lessons called God of the Towel, and last week I, uh, I I covered like five benefits or five things that do happen, five big things that happen when you and I start serving. And, uh, this week I, I wasn't going to preach. I was going to have one of the other fellows preach, but I said, oh, I got four more I want to share. Well, let's recap from last week. First of all, last week we looked at what happens when I serve. First of all, God is pleased. That's the first thing. Think about how Jesus pleased His Father. He's, the voice from heaven said, this is my beloved Son who I'm well pleased. How did He, how did He please His Father? Well, the the major way He did that was through serving. Also, we find out when I start, when I pick up the town, I serve like Christ that I make it clear to everybody else in the room what's important and what matters. Also, I find that people find out when, when I begin to serve, they find out that God can do something powerful, very powerful. And this is the thing I think is interesting for me, is that no amount of service, there's not a size on it. Whether it's small or big, it doesn't matter. What, what matters is God uses it. He uses it to do something powerful in the lives of others. Another thing is I silence the foolish talk of others when I serve. People might be able to explain away what you believe, but they can't explain away what you do. That makes a big difference. In fact, some people end up praising God, the Bible says, because someone like you and I say we're going to serve. And the last thing is God opens doors. I thought that's really, really true. When you begin to serve like Jesus, it opens doors. It opens opportunities to share the gospel. And God wants us to serve so he can get in there and change a life. Well, what else happens? What else happens when we start serving? When I, like Jesus, I, I'm in this room full of people and I see something and I decide to pick up my towel. Well, here's, here's four more. The first one, I'm the most like Jesus Christ. You're never more like Christ than when you serve. Just imagine that for a minute. I mean, there's a lot of people. When I was a kid, I wanted to be... You know, I watch uh, Gunsmoke. I know some of you probably never heard of Gunsmoke. You're thinking of, you know, a gun going off and smoke coming out the barrel. There was an actual show called Gunsmoke, you know, and I wanted to be not Chester. I wanted to be, you know, Marshall Dillon, you know, or if I'm watching a movie, I want to be the hero in that movie or or if I'm watching my parents or watching I've watched my dad, I've watched I've watched uh Friends. We go to the doctor. I want to be a doctor. We we, we see somebody makes. I want to be some, lots of people that through the years you can think of. I want to be like that. Or you see them on TV or you see them in real life. Can you imagine being like the son of God? Isn't that what a hoot, huh? To be the son of God. And, and Jesus says, you can be like me. You can be just like me. All you got to do is just pick up that towel. Let's get started. And think about that for a minute. What an honor and a privilege to be like Jesus Christ. Like I said last week, most of the world doesn't have a problem with Jesus. They've got a problem with us. Am I right about that? And why is that? Because we don't treat people like Jesus does. If it was just be honest. A lot of times what Jesus does and what we do is just a little bit different. And it's significantly different sometimes uh, because he cared about People more than himself, and they knew it. They knew that. You know, I'm not so sure about uh, Christians today. Um, we don't have that kind of reputation. A lot of people don't. Today's believers, uh, well, let's face it. A lot of believers want to make a statement. They're, they want to take a stand, and you say, "Well, don't you believe in making statements and taking stands?" Absolutely, I think we do. To be, speak up. And we do need to take a stand on, on, on issues and such. But how did Jesus do it? How did Jesus make a statement and take a stand? He did it by stooping down. He did it by stepping down. He did it by, with surrender. He did it with humility. He did it with just serving. Like, uh, Will just read in Luke 22, I have been with you as one who serves. I know they see him walking on water. They see him healing people. But he says, let me tell you what you're really seeing. You're seeing a servant. You're seeing your master serve. And the thing I notice again as I look at this, what's the difference between me and Jesus a lot of times is I get hung up on somebody's sin and Jesus gets hung up on what sin's doing to them. That that I get caught up in, oh, what are they doing? What are they doing? What are they doing? And Jesus goes, look what it's doing. Look what it's doing. And I got to do something about that. I got to step in and help this person. Help these people. And see, you and I, we're just like Jesus when we approach it that way. We're just like Jesus Christ. Because our service says something and stands for something, it speaks, it speaks in such a profound way. You know, First uh, John 3 says this, Children, you show love for others by truly helping them and not merely talking about it. And this is what Jesus says, see. I mean, he shows, the Bible says he shows the full extent of his love. And you look up that word extent, it means it sh- he shows with a towel, he shows the size of his love. He shows the range of his love, the scope of his love, the magnitude of his love, by serving how he really felt about these guys I've heard it, you've heard it said a picture's worth a thousand words and actions, but think about this, church, actions speak volumes. They just speak so much more than a thousand words. John again. He was at this, he saw what was going on with Jesus in the towel. Look what he says, he records here. He records the words of Jesus. You should do, he doesn't say say. You should do as I have done for you. Paul captures it this way in Ephesians 5.1. You are God's dear children, so try to be like him. Boy, I tell you, this, uh, uh, this thought went through my head. Jesus doesn't call me to be a better version of me. A lot of times we're going to church because I want to get better, be better me. He wants the best version of him in my life. It's a total different thing. Well, I just want to be, I want to get, I'm going to church so I can get over my habits and that hang up I've got or I'm going to, that's absolutely wonderful. But Jesus goes, oh, I got more more for you than just being a better version of you. I want you to be like me. And the best, the best way to show who I am and the best way to live like me is to be a servant. That's all. That's the first thing that happens. You get this, man. This week, when you, you see something needs to be done and you pick up the towel and you start serving, you're being just like Jesus Christ. And this world needs to see Jesus. Number two, God frees me from the grip of selfishness. I told somebody uh, the other day, I took one of those narcissism tests. Why are you laughing? You ever took one of those tests online? Yeah, see if you're, you're a narcissist. I guess what I found out? Duh. Yeah. Or, or But no, no, Tim, you're not like a full-blown self-absorbed narcissist, right? Well, I'd like to believe I'm not. But some of those questions revealed some things. It revealed that um, there's a little vanity in me. How do I know that? Well, if we took a group picture, how many times has this happened? We're taking pictures, maybe the grandkids and we're in the picture or we're taking a group and somebody goes, "What do you think?" and you look, you're looking at it and you determine how good that picture looks by what? You look at yourself and if you're like Forrest Gump holding your ping pong paddle going, "You're in trouble," right? I want to we need to take it over again. What's wrong? I don't like that photo. It doesn't look right. Let's do another one. Let's take several and then we can pick a good one. And what makes it good? I'm looking at me. You see, there's a little vanity in all of us when you stop and think about it. Just a little bit. Jesus has a room full of men, and they've all got a little vanity in this room. Uh, In fact, there's a lot of egos in this room. And it doesn't take very long for the ego to let things go. Like, again, just just think about it. I mean, think. I I thought the reason I had Will read this is because in Luke's account, this is the very first communion service. Did you realize that? It's the very first one. And Jesus says, oh, I'm looking forward to having this communion service with you. I can't wait. By the way, Jesus looks forward to having communion with you every Sunday. And he's like, oh, guys, I can't wait. Let's do this. He's made all the preparations. I really they really haven't had to do anything. He's got it all planned out ahead of time. And as and as they're sitting around and 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 he says, here's my body, which was given for you. And here's my blood that was shed for you. And then he says, oh, somebody's going to betray me. And someone goes, who, 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 who? And they start talking. They start talking to each other. We're well, the guy to put his hand in with me. And what? Well, but, but this dish. What, but we all did that. Who's who is it? And they're looking around. And all of a sudden this wonderful moment, and by the way, I've seen some crazy stuff at Lord's Suppers. You guys know what I'm talking about? Some, you know, as hard as some of our young men try and some of them, they try, you say, what was that all about? You'll say that to yourself sometimes, or what was that clip for? Or why did they go that direction? And I don't know, I've had, I've had actual, one time I was passing around communion one time, my very first Two weeks as a Christian, I was helping pass a plate. And a little kid goes, come on, give me a cracker, give me a cracker. About three rows away, and I'm going, who is talking? That little kid, come on, give me a cracker. I pass the plate, and the plate goes by, and he tries to grab it, and get slapped. and He goes, oh. And then here comes the, the cup by. That's back when we pass it around. And, and come on, give me a drink. I'm thirsty. Give me a drink. Give me a drink. That's weird. Weird stuff's happened. But here we got a full blown argument going on. Have you ever had it been at Lord's Supper and there's a fist fight? This is the first communion. And the egos just really mess this whole thing up. It says here, a dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. And how does Jesus deal with that? He picks up a towel. And as he goes around the town, he's washing feet. He doesn't stop. Peter speaks up. You are n- no, you're not washing my feet. I don't think it's very smart to disagree with Jesus. It's not a good idea to say no to Jesus. He says, if you don't let me wash your feet, you can't have any part of me. He says, "It's this is a discipleship issue, Peter. Well, then wash all of me. Oh my goodness, what is wrong with you? You must take a lot of selfies. No, I just need to wash your feet. Just let me wash your feet. You wash the feet and off they go. And I just what I just notice here is, I think to myself, and maybe somebody, one of the disciples may have thought, how did we get here? How did this happen? A beautiful moment. I'm looking forward to having the Lord's Supper with you. Oh, we're going to do this again in the kingdom when the kingdom comes. How did we get here? Well, it's easy. This is how we get here everywhere. We're people. We're human beings. And we tend to somehow manage to make it about ourselves. In some way, we make it about ourselves. You see, even even just like the disciples, we can get a little, a little self-absorbed when it comes to service. We begin to think about, well, if I do that, what's going to happen? Oh, uh, if I... If I step up and serve, somebody may take advantage of me. That's how we end the sentence. Look how we end it. Or or well, if I do this, well any will somebody how about give me an attaboy or something? Well, I get some credit. Let me give you an example. Here's a passage that I don't know if we think of as serving in a in a service way, but it is. It's about serving. And this is what Jesus says in Matthew 5. You are the light of the world. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father. And they see what you do and they glorify God in heaven. I want you to think about these words as we watch this video.
2: If I turn my light on, what's everybody doing? Let's go! Light it up! Now just keep your lights on for a minute. Everybody look around. This is beautiful. This is what it looks like to burn again for Jesus. This is a representation of our spiritual lives. This is what it looks like to be the light of the world. We're in a dark room, but our eyes are gravitated towards the light, right? Beautiful. Now what happens is when we're at passion, we all have our lights and they're shining bright and we're excited to shine them and it's so fun and it's so awesome and it's so powerful. But what happens is a lot of times when we leave passion, something happens. And we're going to do it like this. On the count of three, I'm going everyone to swipe left to your selfie cam. Ready? One, two, three. And something happened to the light. You see, because it's a weird thing. The iPhone, by design, you cannot be shining the light and looking at the camera at the same time. For some reason, by design, you cannot be shining the light and looking at yourself. For some reason, you cannot be trying to get the glory and give the glory by design of the iPhone. But guess what? You also are designed in such a way that you are called to be the light of the world. That no matter where you are and no matter where you go, the light doesn't turn off. It doesn't matter what room you put me in. It doesn't matter what space you put me in. It doesn't matter how dark the room is getting. I cannot separate my spiritual life and my personal life. I cannot separate the light of Jesus within me and the world around me. Jesus is all of me. So if I'm in the room, the light
1: will be shining. What a powerful statement. What a powerful. I I cannot get the glory and give the glory at the same time. I tried it on my cell phone, by the way. I tried that. I go, no way. Way. It happened. (laughs) Oh, my. And that's what Jesus is doing with it. He didn't have an iPhone, so he used a towel. Okay, and he said, listen, this is what it's about. You guys are about to get out here and, and and go to all the world. You're going to get out into your neighborhoods. You're going to be getting out to where you work. You're going to be meeting people everywhere. And he says, listen, you've got to get this straight. You've got to get this straight because I'm going to be gone. And you've got to have this figured out. It can't be about you. The serving can't be about you. It's so important if you're gonna be a part of me, this has gotta be how it is. Didn't Jesus say that in Luke 9? If you're gonna follow me, to deny yourself, and take up that cross and follow me, you can't make it about you. It involves you, but you can't make it about you. So you gotta quit comparing and you gotta quit competing. Oh man, ouch. You it, it, it can't make it all about this, about yourself. It, if you, you want to be great, and, and I want you to be great, but you're the greatest when you're selfless. You're the greatest when you're selfless. And I want you to start with each other right now. Yesterday, we had a lot of funerals happening in this church. In fact, the last several weeks, a lot of people, a lot of loved ones, I've been touched you've been touched some of we've had lots of funerals I'm just so you know three at one three or four at one time yesterday was three I think at one time there was one in South County one in Harden and one in Bunker Hill and I'm not omnipresent and I want to be at all of them I want to help but I watch as I'm starting I'm starting this uh funeral in Bunker Hill I'm watching uh, here comes Alan and Chris w- w- before we start, and here comes Jim and Suzanne as I'm starting, and I'm like, well, what's going on? Well, Jim and Suzanne went to all three. They're making their rounds. It's an hour away from Bunker Hill to Harden, folks. And I'm like, they just, they just buried Suzanne's mother uh, just a few days earlier, and here they are making their rounds. I've heard of progressive dinners. But this is, not and then I find out, my wife says, you know, Tim, I'm not going to be in Bunker Hill. I've got to be at Leslie's funeral. I said, oh, thank you. Where's it at, by the way? It's way down uh, in Fenton. I go, well, where's that? And she goes, well, you do at one of the dealerships. I go, you're in South County? Yeah. And I'm watching, we all couldn't be everywhere, so some of us, we all could be somewhere. And, you you know, why? Why do we do that? Why do people do that? Why, when my father passed away, did I have brothers and sisters at this church drive three hours just to be with me? They didn't say a word. I'll tell you what, besides thanking them, I gave glory to God. I'm so, so thankful so thankful for being a part of this church. I'm glad I stuck around to watch this stuff, to see this stuff, to see this weekend. And I just want you, to, the church, I want you to know, you know, that, that when we serve, one of the greatest things about service is, is that it cures our selfishness. It addresses it, but it cures it too. Here's, look at this passage in Galatians 5. It is absolutely clear that God has called you to be to a free life. Just make sure you don't use your freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to be morally right and tell the truth and don't drink and don't smoke and don't chew and don't go out with girls that do. That's not what it says. He says, but use your freedom to make sure you're giving 10% or giving more or whatever and making sure... No, it's not saying that. Make sure you're at everything. It doesn't say that. You say, well those aren't, those aren't important. Is that what you're saying, Tim? No, they're all important. I just noticed that this passage I've always thought of in a different context is in the context of serving. Did you notice that? Rather use your freedom to serve one another in love. And then he says, that's how, that's how freedom grows. You want your freedom to grow? You want, you want, um, the grip of selfishness to loosen itself and be free of that. The way it grows, the way you loosen that grip, is you serve. Find ways to serve wherever you are and serve one another. Here's number three: God prepares me for leadership when I pick up the towel. Leonard, uh, Leonard Bernstein one time was asked, and this is in the book "Improving Your Serve," which I highly recommend you get get a copy of by Chuck Swindle. There's in this he tells a little story where. Leonard Bernstein, who's an American composer, does a lot, did a lot of movies, uh, movie themes and stuff. Said, "What's the hardest instrument to play?" And he said, "He said it real quickly. Come right back. Well, oh, that's easy. Second fiddle. Nobody wants to play second fiddle. Everybody wants to play first fiddle." He goes, "And I, in fact, it's, that's not the only the instrument. There's second French horn. There's second flute. There's second trumpet. Nobody wants to play. Nobody wants to be in the second chair." And those of you in the band know what I'm talking about, second chair. There's first chair, then there's second chair. But then he says this, there would not be harmony without the second chair, without the second fiddle. Beautiful music, oh, it's good solo, but it's incredible when it's everybody is playing and playing all their parts. And he says, "I, I wish I could get more second fiddles. If you like to be second fiddle in the kingdom. Amen. In fact, our American culture promotes this. I'm afraid sometimes our American culture, American churches kind of promote this so much that that's why we end up with these personality people. These personality driven churches. And I'm for. I think we ought to have somebody that's got a good personality. I'm not saying we... I get that you want to you want somebody good and and that can talk well and I'm I'm proof that you need somebody that can talk well. Okay, I get it. I I get that. Okay, I, but in the kingdom, the real vacancy is at second fiddle. If there's a place that, that's vacant uh, at Greater Alton Church, it's the second fiddle place. And by the way, this is not an old problem. In Third John, John writes this, and he would know it. He would know this because, you remember one time his mother was asking if he and his brother could sit in the left and right hand of God, they could be first. He says, I wrote to the church, but Diastrophes... Who loves to be first will not welcome us. Who loves to be first, this fellow loves to be first. What's that what's another way to say that? He pushes himself to the front. He promotes himself. He wants to be a leader. I don't know about you, but when I read my Bible, the greatest leaders were ones that didn't want to do it. When they first were asked, they didn't want to do it. And by the way, do you notice, notice how these kinds of people, how they treat the established leadership? Did you catch that? This guy's desire to be first won't welcome us. He doesn't treat us in a godly way. I've talked to a lot of leaders over the years, and they tell me the struggle they have with these people that desire to be first they're constantly one up again they're all constantly questioning their decisions they're constantly saying in the background somewhere well if i was in charge i could and i would and that's discouraging to a leader to an established leader church and i hear people say i'll have people say to me i want to be a leader and you know and by the way i remember years ago hearing this idea that everything rises and falls with leadership and i think that's true it also rises and falls over followship on how well i follow christ and i hear people say that i want to be a leader and I, and i and my response is mm, okay okay but when someone says i want to be a servant oh i know they're serious now i know they're very serious see jesus looking at these guys, these knuckleheads in the room, arguing over who's going to be in charge, who's going to be the greatest. And he's saying, oh man, guys, you got it all wrong. You call me master. Is that what he says? You call me teacher. Notice this. You call me Lord. Those are leadership titles. And you're right, he says. Well, look what I do. I wash your feet and I want you as a, uh, I'm showing you as a leader to be a servant leader. See, Jesus, he has all the power in the world. He knows he has all the power. He has more power than all those guys put together and then some. He also knows he, he's secure and he knows he can control anything. And what's he do with all that power? He sets it aside and he serves. And something amazing and powerful takes place. He's not interested in being a celebrity like I told you last week. He's interested in just being a servant. And when he says these words to his disciples, you realize he's speaking to the leaders of the church. They're going to be the leaders. They're going to be the foundation stones is what Peter called uh, calls them. The foundation stones of the church. These are the same guys that Jesus said, I'm going to you're going to sit at my table and feast at my table in heaven and I'm going to put you on 12 different thrones. But I want you to understand what makes your leadership powerful is not how you strut around and the title, it's the strength of your leadership is found in service. Again, here's what something Will read to us. In Luke 22, But Jesus said to them, The kings of the world rule over their people, and those who have authority over others want to be called the great providers for the people. But you must not be like that. The one with the most authority among you should act as if he's the least important. The one who leads should be like one who serves. Who is more important? The one serving or the one sitting at the table being served? Everyone thinks it's the one being served, right? And I have been with you as one who serves. He goes, Of course I'm I should, I should be honored, but look what I do with my position. When I'm always around you guys, what do you see me doing? You see me serving, and you've got to get this straight. And the leadership here, at Church, I want you to know the leadership here, we're determined to be servants. We want to be servants. And we want you to know, if, you're, if you've aspirations of one, you know, one day I'd like to be a small group leader. I'd like to be a leader of a ministry. Start serving. You're already becoming one. A leader. Here's the last thing happens that when, when I pick up the towel, I pass on God's love. We talked about this a little bit last week, but I wanted to talk a little bit about more. Can I repay God for what He's done? And then the first answer is, oh, no, you can't repay God You can only pay it forward, I said last week. Well, look, uh, uh, David says this in Psalms 116. He, He asked that question, how can I repay the Lord for all the good He has done for me? And in verse 13, he says these words, I'll give Him a drink offering. He isn't condemned for that. He says, I'm going to give Him a drink offering. What's a drink offering? Well, he goes on to explain it in verse 14. He says, I will publicly bring the sacrifice I vowed I would. How do you Repay God for all that He's done for you. I pour out what's mine. I pour out. Instead of taking what He's given me and just guzzling it down, I pour it out. I empty myself. I empty myself. Isn't that what Jesus did? Isn't that what the Bible says He did? He emptied Himself. He poured out himself i think I think uh, the Apostle Paul says, through Jesus Christ, the love of God, the grace of God was poured out on me abundantly. How does that happen? He had to empty himself, and when i Empty what God has given me, and I empty it in service. I empty. It. It I don't make it just about me. I I, I got to make it about others. And I begin to do that. I empty myself. That's when I, the God, the love that God has given me, it just starts flowing into other people's lives. I pass it on. It says, love other people, just as is what it says in John fifteen. I have loved you. This is how Jesus did it. I have loved you in the same way that the Father has loved me. He's saying, I've poured that right out. I've, tra- I've given the love the Father has given me to you. Continue to live in a way that shows my love. And Jesus does that by being a sacrifice. And I do the same thing. When I serve, I'm be- being that sacrifice. I empty myself so others can be full of the love of God. Ephesians five two says, Love other people just as Christ loved us. Christ gave himself for us. And look what it says there. He was a sweet smelling offering and sacrifice to God, a drink offering. And in Hebrews, let me encourage you as we close in Hebrews 13, he says, don't forget to do good and to share what you have with others because sacrifices like these are very pleasing to God. So when I share and when I serve, when I empty myself, you know, uh, God is pleased. That means when I help the poor, each time I help the poor, it causes me to remember there was a time I was poor. I was poor and Jesus filled me. And I I want to repay by passing on the richness I have to someone who needs it. And when I volunteered to go to church camp, it caused me to remember all of the people before me, all those people before me that met together and said, let's have a church camp and gave their money and gave their sweat and their blood and planned and prepped and prayed so that I could sit and listen to the gospel. So I could listen to someone close to my age explain to me how much I'm loved and and the purpose God calls me to. It means something like this that that uh when I serve and I I serve a small group that as I as I share as I share in my small group I realize oh wow it's not just bible lessons that God wants me to hear he wants me to also give bible love to people. That's what happened this weekend, I saw a lot of but people set their Bibles down and picked up a towel. There's times we need to put our Bible down and do something, huh? That's awesome to see that. And God blesses you and I when we do that. That's all I've got this morning. Maybe you've got something you'd like to say. There's a little card in your bulletin you might want to say. You want to make a decision about. Maybe you want some people to pray about. I just want you to know God's called us a life of service. You please Him best when you do. So when we leave here, church, look for the towel. Look for the need. Be that servant. Be like God. Be the God of the towel. We're going to sing a song and uh, close out our service. Father, we thank You and praise You for Your great service, Lord. I think about all the people that have served that served you that make it even possible for me to be a Christian. And Father, I think about all the riches you've given me. And Father, I I want to give you glory. We want to give you glory. So Father, we 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 set aside ourselves so that can happen. The good deeds we do, Father, are not to promote this church, but to promote you. And we pray, Father, that you'll give us the eyes of your Son Jesus, the ears. But most of all, Father, just the heart that serves wherever we go. We pray in Christ's name, Amen.
3: Oh Lord. Lord, please change my heart. Show me where to start. I want to be all you want me to be. So Lord, please change my heart. Show me where to start. Oh Lord, I want to be like you. I want to be all you want me to be. So Lord, please make me new. I want to be like you. You are Lord, you are God. You are my closest friend. I won- to see just what you'll do with me. So Lord, please change my heart. Show me where to start.